Welcome to Walking Dharma Podcast, the podcast that attempts to demystify classical spiritual teachings and apply them to modern day living. I'm your host, Kristen Coyle. Thank you so much for tuning in today, everyone. I'm so grateful for all of you who have been listening over the last couple years. I know it's been a while since I have released my last podcast, four months in fact, and so much has happened between March and July. It is astounding. I hope you are all healthy and well um, and safe and fed during this pandemic. I hope you are all able to contribute to the refreshed civil rights movement going on in this country or wherever you are coming from in the world. And most of all, I hope you're all able to take care of yourselves on a really deep level. I hope that self-care has been um, well attended to during this intense, suffering-infused, transformational time. All right, with that being said, I am teaching online yoga classes now via Zoom, and I would love for you to join me in my online yoga classes. If you're interested in receiving my schedule, please email me at walkingdharma at gmail.com and I will send you all of the information you need to jump into my live stream Zoom Shala. All right, so getting into the episode today. This episode is called Transmuting Anger into Insight. Going to say that again. Transmuting, meaning to transform, to change forms. Transmuting anger into insight. And today I really want to go deeply into the energy of anger. I want to talk about how anger manifests in different ways, how we work with that anger, how we become aware, and then how we transmute that anger into fuel for motivation. And maybe even on the deeper level, how we transmute the anger that we may feel in any scenario into insight. So what I mean is how can we use our anger, thing that might bother us the most, right? Maybe the strongest, most intense emotion to handle. How do we take that energy and transform it into awakening? How do we take anger and make it a tool for presence, rather than a tool to disconnect and create suffering, right? So I want to start with actually reading you a Buddhist mind training slogan. And this is from the teachings of Pema Chodron and the lineage of Buddhism that she teaches from. So this mind training slogan says, Whatever you meet unexpectedly, join with meditation. I'm going to read it again. Whatever you meet unexpectedly, join with meditation. And I really like this mind training slogan because what it means is use every experience you have, every encounter you have as a tool to be fully here, meaning to be fully present. And the key to that presence is to be concentrated in this moment, not letting your mind run away with your behavior, right? So let's talk about in the instance of anger. Let's say that you're in line for the bank and during these quarantine times, especially here in California, there are these long lines for the bank. And let's say you're standing in line and someone comes up, obviously not even paying attention to the line and tries to walk straight into the bank. What if that upsets you? What if you take that personally because it caught you off guard? Maybe you think that person's intentionally trying to cut in front of you. All right, so now anger arises. What do you do with it? Do you start shouting at the person? Do you let it create more destruction? Maybe that person then would be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I didn't even see the line. My bad. And they come and stand in line behind you. Now what will you do that you've shouted at them? right? You'll feel guilty or maybe you maybe you won't feel remorse. Hopefully, um, if we mistreat someone though, we kind of can come to terms with it sooner than later, right? But if you're present with 
that moment you're standing in line and maybe that person goes to run in the bank and you feel anger arise, but you catch it. You say, you know what? I feel like I'm getting triggered right now, but I actually know that this person running in front of me um, to get into the bank has really nothing to do with me and more to do with the fact that they're not fully present. So in knowing that, you just pause, notice. A lot of times this is when we naturally, organically take a deep breath and you can relax, realizing it's not personal, right? So that's an automatic example of how you can take this energy of anger, however it may arise, and sit with it, right? Now, that's a small example. Let's go bigger. Let's say that... uh, someone gets like wrongfully harmed, right? Like in the instance of George Floyd, when that, when that painful incident occurred where he was killed in the street by police, surrounded by other people watching. And this, this poor man was powerless in that moment. And the whole world saw it. The whole world saw that suffering. And most of us, those of us who, who have a heart, <laughs> we were enraged right? I'm sure you felt that, those of you listening. It hurt to watch it. It goes deep into the gut. So what do we do with that kind of anger? Well, we can see what the world did with that anger, and rightfully so. And this is my point that I want to get through right away. Let's not confuse sitting with anger and transmuting it when possible into motivation. Let's not confuse that with spiritual bypass right? To spiritually bypass anger is to say, oh, that's sad he died. Oh, well, doesn't affect me. Do to do. Everything's fine until it's not, right? Sometimes anger is there to show us something. Sometimes it shows up to be like, hey, something is not in alignment, either personally, interrelationally, or globally. And in the George Floyd instance, I'm talking about globally, so many of us realize, wow, something was not in alignment in this entire group of people. This entire human race has been trying to tell us, hey, something's not in alignment. And so many of us can so easily put the blinders on because of that spiritual bypass, because we say, you know what? Yeah, it's upsetting, but it doesn't affect me. So I'm not going to let it touch me, you know, deep to my core. Right? But when we start to dethaw from wanting to always bypass things, we begin to see like, wow, if someone else is suffering, I'm along with that. I'm in that too. Whether it's affecting me right now, I know that the energy will echo throughout this earth and it will eventually affect me in some way, shape or form. Right? This is basically the law of interconnectivity. Sometimes anger is there to bring us to awareness right? And that's what I like this mind training slogan for. It says, whatever you meet unexpectedly, join with meditation. So for example, when, when the world witnessed that murder of George Floyd, we met with it unexpectedly. We didn't expect to see that the day after Memorial Day, but there it was. And so what did we do with it? We brought awareness to it. And that's essentially what joining something with meditation is. It's bringing it to your awareness, to this moment, right now. Brings you right to it. And then you get to decipher, what do I do with this energy? So if it's something that stirs anger, for example, what do I do with this anger I feel? Do I breathe deeply, meditate for 30 minutes and let it go? Or is it something that is so out of alignment and so um, ethically wrong, if you will, that I need to do something about it? And once more, to go into George Floyd, we can see that that's what the world chose to do. They chose to do something about it. They chose to go and protest peacefully, right? And now before we go too deep, you might say, well, some people did destroy property, And instead of going into the theories of who did it, let's just say that when something is really wrong and really out of alignment, aren't we allowed to feel angry? We need to have a mature perspective and say, where does anger come from and how does anger manifest? And understand that sometimes the infraction is so great that the response is so knee-jerk, it cannot be contained, right? And so... 
to pull back on that. It's like, well, how would we start to go about containing that, right? If we know that if anger goes unchecked and it creates destruction, how do we work on containing it in a way that isn't suppressing it or in a way that isn't losing one's voice or not standing up for basic human rights and dignity, right? And so part of the way we contain that is, is actually to use different, um, a different attitude towards it. It's not about containing it. It's about transmuting it. It's about saying, wow, I feel that. Wow. That's at the forefront of my awareness. What can I do here? What can I do that's going to serve the highest good of all involved? Not just my highest good. Because a lot of the new age community and a lot of people have been operating from that MO for my highest good. Even my Reiki teacher said, make sure you say it's for your highest good, not the highest good. It's like, well, wait a minute. If I'm not for the highest good and I'm only for my highest good, what kind of human being am I? Am I contributing at all to this earth or am I just taking? Right. And I, I was indoctrinated with that from an early, like formative age into my adulthood. I was indoctrinated. It should be for my highest good. It should be for what I want. It should be for what I think is best for me and living my, 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 my. And you see where this backs us into a hole, especially in the yoga community, especially in the new age community. If we're only about my, my, me and what I want, and how I feel, then where does the other factor in? They don't. Instead, we get triggered by the other when they don't behave in a way that is for my or our highest good or this cookie-cutter dreamland that we might be living in. And so whenever we see other people triggered or angry, first of all, it's up to us to not condemn them because... What if you had undergone those experiences? What if you lived a life where thinking of your dreams, thinking of your goals, thinking of your next vacation were never even on the table because your reality was so far from that? Wouldn't you be angry? And you can say, no, you wouldn't, but it's a lie. (laughs) The truth is, as humans, our human nature is all pretty similar Worldwide, we are wired very, very similarly. Our environment and our upbringing affect how we respond to those stimulus, right? And and this is as a whole. And that's why it's easy for certain populations, white people, as a whole to say, well, they're just looting and breaking stuff. And this isn't going to go anywhere. And yet they fail to see all of the peaceful protests that came before that. And we can see that the peaceful protest actually didn't go anywhere. And it wasn't until people expressed their anger in a way that was so brazen and so blatant that we had to see it. We had to acknowledge it. And people had to go into curfew and all of their little conveniences all of a sudden disappeared. Then all of a sudden people opened their eyes. And so anger can be an incredible force for transformation, especially, um, when it comes to human rights violations. Anger is often the fuel that lights the fire to make actual change, right? Now, eventually someone's got to level out their head and be like, all right, what do we do? How do we create solutions? And, and that's really for another podcast or another moment in this podcast. But let's talk about going, you know, into the actual feeling of anger and how it arises a little bit more, right? Anytime we are triggered and anger arises, we're going to feel a certain sense of energy come through. And this energy can come through in our body as a sensation. For example, think of the last time you were angry. What happened in your body? Have you ever paid attention? For me, I often do. And when I feel angry, which happens occasionally, I'll feel it go throughout my solar plexus, like an energy that spreads from the center of my belly out in every direction. And it goes up into my head and my head feels hot. And that's a sensation. It's actually a physical sensation. And what I've learned from my yoga practice 
is that physical sensations can be shifted through my awareness and especially through my breath awareness and what I do with my breathing. So for example, if I get triggered and I feel anger, I, st I will start breathing faster. This is just scientific stuff, everyone, that when we feel angry, adrenaline rushes, our heart rate goes up, and therefore the breath rate speeds up too, right? The heart rate and the breath kind of go together. The faster the heart rate, normally the faster the breathing. For the yoga practitioner, hopefully and eventually you will learn that your breathing can also affect your heart rate. Meaning if your heart rate is pumping, if you start to take slow, really big, deep breaths, the breath energy will start to slow the heart rate back down. So they feed each other. The heart rate is connected to the breath and the breath is connected to the heart rate, right? So whenever I feel that heat of anger rise in me, even if I have a little reaction, let's say I like make some response or get triggered and feel a certain way, whatever that may be, um, I can do something about it. And so what I've learned to do in, in working with this energy is to slow my mind down, meaning I'll start feeding storylines. I'll start going into the kind of victim mode, if you will. And I'm sure maybe some of you can relate and I'll just take the power of the pause and the power of the pause is just to take a moment wherever you are and suspend everything and just stop. And as you stop, you take a few deep breaths and focus on really long exhalations. Because when you make your exhalation longer than your inhale, it stimulates your vagus nerve. And your vagus nerve is this, the primary nerve for your relaxation response, which we call your parasympathetic response, your, your relaxation response, right? And when you get angry, you go into a, para, or a sympathetic response. When you get angry, you go into a sympathetic nervous system response, which means it moves you more towards fight or flight. It pumps the adrenaline and cortisol, which is a stress hormone as well, right? So when you slow down your breathing and you really extend your exhalations, what happens is your nervous system takes that input and it starts to move you back into a more relaxed state. The hormone uh, kind of pumping, if you will, slows down and you can have a moment of clarity, right? Because whenever we get flooded with a strong emotion, clarity in the mind is one of the first things to leave the scenario. So instead you just slow down and reclaim your clarity, knowing that whatever's going on, whatever's triggering, triggering the anger, it can wait for a moment in time. And if it can't wait, like say it's in a you know, an issue with another human being, you can always excuse yourself from the space. Or if it's in a relationship, you can simply ask for space, which in a healthy relationship, the other person will of course oblige, right? Get clarity, slow your breathing. And once clarity is there, or maybe not clarity, but once you're just two degrees calmer than you were, then you can decide what to do. Then you can decide what actions should be taken. So going back to George Floyd once more, let's say whenever everyone felt that uh, or witnessed that video on the internet of him passing away at the hands of the officer, when we witnessed that murder, we all had to sit and be with it for a moment, right? Like, wow, how do we process this? How do we assimilate, right? And in that moment, that pause, it kind of happens organically, right? If we really lean into that pause, instead of thinking, you know, like, oh, you know, I hate this and that, we can say, all right, the system is broken. What needs to change? You know what? We've got to go do something about this. We have to act, right? And that's, that's that moment of clarity I'm talking about, right? Rather than just stewing in it and letting the anger stop us from doing anything productive and just stewing with rage and being like, oh, there's so much pain and suffering in the world and I can't do anything. You say, no, you know what? I've taken that moment to pause. There's so much pain and suffering in the world. What can I do? What can I do? And it's the same on a personal level. Wow, I'm suffering. Something doesn't feel right. What can I do? And, and the big key here is to identify where's the anger coming from, 
right? So after you've taken the power of the pause, when you feel triggered, grounding yourself with your breathing, slowing down the mind, even just one or two degrees from where it was, you have to ask yourself, what can I do? What do I do? And, you know, there's a couple of courses of action. One is if something needs to change, we have to say, all right, what do I do to create this change? Is it something within me? Is it a boundary I need to set? A truth I need to express? A job I need to let go of to create my own business? What is it? Write it down if you can, if you have the time and space. Really identify, where's the anger coming from? Oh, this doesn't feel in alignment. Okay, write that down. And then underneath it, what can I do? What needs to change? Write that down too. What needs to change for us to reclaim our emotional sovereignty to be at peace, right? Because if we can't be at peace, we need to feel what's going on so we can identify what is out of alignment and what am I going to do about it? And once you've identified, write down action steps. Okay, what can I do to implement this change? You know, like it's kind of, I like to liken it to like my gluten allergy, right? I'm really allergic to gluten, like anaphylactically so, right? And I didn't know that for a while in my adult life. And so every time I would eat gluten, I wouldn't feel good. I would just not be well. And it would just send me off into a spiral of discomfort and dis-ease in my physical body, right? One day I received the information that I was allergic to gluten. And so instead of continuing to eat gluten and suffering over and over and becoming very ill, I identified, all right, something's not right. What is it? I can't eat gluten, right? That's like identifying something's not right in my life. What is it? All right, put it out there. What am I going to do about it? Am I going to continue to eat gluten even though I know it's not right for me and continue to ingest that same um, poison, if you will, physically, energetically, whatever it is? No, I'm going to stop eating gluten. I'm going to find solutions. Wow, I love bread. Well, guess what? There's like 50 kinds of gluten-free bread out there that you can buy, right? <laughs> or that you can bake yourself. All right, there's a solution. Yeah, it might be difficult to change the patterning at first. I love bread. Oh, everyone else eats bread. But you know what? It's going to be worth it. Wow, I feel better right? And that's the same thing with identifying something that doesn't surface in our life. It's like saying, gosh, something's not sitting well. I'm not digesting something. And, and how does that manifest? Maybe we don't feel happy. Maybe we feel depressed or maybe we get pissed off. Maybe we are really angry. So then what do we do? Do you continue to, to stew in that with the anger if you have control of the scenario at all, no, you don't. You make the necessary changes. What if you don't have control of the scenario? What if you have to keep a job because you have to feed your children and you don't see another choice right now? What do you do? Of course, here's the cookie cutter answer. Well, you know, figure out how you can, you know, keep applying for new jobs and I don't want to oversimplify it. I want to say, if you can't change your scenario right now, the one thing you can change is how you process what you experience, right? Just to be transparent, I don't want to spiritually bypass this, and this is not a full discourse on job equality or any of that, because I'm not qualified to talk about it. But what I do know is if one finds themselves in an in a employment position, for example, I think that's a really good example because a lot of people's jobs trigger them and upset them consistently from what I have um, experienced. Like, let's say you're a nurse and it's in the middle of this COVID crisis and it's really scary and triggering and you become angry with what's happening, what's going on on you know, whatever level it triggers you. But yet you know that you need to go to work because you've signed up for this somehow. And you also have children at home that you have to provide for. So here you are in this scenario, right? You're a nurse going to the COVID ward to take care of people. And you feel a lot of anxiety, which triggers you, right? What do you do? You've got to have some kind of self-care regimen, right? Whether it's meditation, 
journaling to just put it all out there, counseling either from a family member or a loved one or someone that you actually um, hire to help you, obviously yoga, but what about in those moments where it's happening and the trigger is happening and being applied actively? What do you do? The main tool is the breath awareness because the breath awareness will bring you into the moment so you can see from clear vision, right? From So you can see like, wow, look at the suffering. I have my strength. I have my love and my compassion. And therefore I'm going to do my work and I'm going to do it with honor and I'm going to treat these people with dignity. I'm also going to hold myself with dignity too, by not letting this completely destroy my peace. Well, you might say, well, people are suffering and dying. And I know that, but let's say we have to function. Let's say we can't let all of that land every single moment because otherwise we can't even do our work to help those people. What do we do? We start to get insight. We start to understand you know, perhaps on the deepest level, the nature of reality in, in the many ways that can be understood. We start to look deeply at our own life and start to be grateful for all of the beauty that's there and lean into that. And, and for those who are suffering, we send them the most love and care and presence we can, right? Rather than being triggered and, and carrying that in our heart. And in the job metaphor of being a nurse in the COVID unit um, is a highly applicable right now, but B, it could be filled in with anything, any job that, that is triggering you and creating anxiety or fear, which, which all create anger, right? They all create anger and frustration or they stem from it. They stem from fear and fear and anger are really connected, right? Fear and anger are kind of like best friends holding hands, walking down the street, Right? So we talk about transmuting anger. We could be talking about transmuting fear. We could be talking about transmuting grief. This technique applies for any triggers that we may feel. Right? Once we have taken these steps, and I'll review where we've gone so far, identifying that we're angry, first of all, taking the power of the pause, so just taking a self-care moment to ground ourselves, and then identifying where does the anger come from, where is it coming from, identify it, right, and then decide, do I need to take actions? If so, what actions do I need to take? Are they external actions, creating a change through setting boundaries, or are they internal actions, processing tools, ways that we can settle ourselves in that moment, or express ourselves in that moment so we can shift the energy for ourselves and for others who may be involved. Now, let's go further. What if the anger we're experiencing is because of something that has happened to us or to our family or someone we love in the past, right? And we could even say George Floyd is, is someone we love on some level, right? Because he's a human being who deserves love right? So what if it's anger over a past event? And, and if it's something we can change, then we, again, we go back to that first kind of little bit we were talking about. What can I do to create change, create action steps, and then adhere to and follow those action steps? That's, I think that's pretty um, challenging to do, right? So you take as much time as you need with it. Map it out on paper. It's always helpful. What can I do? List all the things you can do to create change. And what if it's the other example where it's something you can't change? Like it's something that happened to you a long time ago in the past and it's holding you back now. It's creating a trigger for you. Like let's say something happened um, with the opposite sex that really hurt you and created anger. Maybe you felt really abandoned and embarrassed or something. And what if you feel like you're continuing to carry that anger into your current um, interactions? What can you do? Then again, it's all about integration. So integration, in, in my opinion, is kind of like a more um, proactive word for acceptance. 
I think acceptance so easily gets confused with resignation, like, oh, I give up, whatever. And then we just continue to hold the same energy, right? So I like integration more. Integration means, all right, this is arising. This is coming up for me. How can I join it with meditation? So again, it goes back to that first mind training slogan we're talking about. Whatever you meet unexpectedly, join with meditation. So it's the same with a memory that causes pain. Let's say it gives you a bad dream. All right, there it is unexpectedly showing up in your dream realm. And now you wake up and you feel triggered. Are you going to let that trigger continue to echo throughout the day? Or are you able to integrate it? Be like, oh, there's that past memory coming up. All right, I'm integrating. That's still in my field. That's still affecting me. Hmm, let me be present today the best I can and see how this affects how I act out in the world, especially in relationships and especially with how I treat myself. How does this impression, we call it a vashana, a memory or an impression, or excuse me, smriti is memory. A vashana is an impression. How do these impressions affect how I act? And you can almost study yourself, right? And this comes into svadhyaya or self-study. Okay, let me study my behavior today because I feel triggered. Let me not act out on it because I know that it's no one's fault that's around me right now. But by the way, if it is someone who around you who created that painful memory, then you might need to actually take action and have a conversation or at least, you know, write them a letter in your journal and get thoughts out on paper to start to clear the air a little bit, right? Um, but especially if there's nothing you can do, really, so far in the past, or you don't even know the person or the experience that is triggering you, you integrate, you work on saying, let me see how this affects me. What can I do to shift? All right, I can remind myself that right now that is no longer the scenario. Right? You can give yourself positive self-talk. In this moment, I am safe. In this moment, I am loved. You know, what do you feel? When you feel angry, what's underneath it? Because there's always like a little underlying uh, component, right? Like, oh, I feel abandoned. Therefore, I'm really angry that everyone always turns their back on me. Boom. So you tell yourself, in this moment, I am loved and supported. Right? And that's just one example. So let's say we feel unable to integrate what's going on, right? Let's say that it's just too much. That's when you seek help. You can seek help in many ways. And in one of the main ways that's beyond just counseling and getting a life coach and talking to a good friend on the phone um, is to actually do some physical movement, right? That's what I like to seek help through my asana practice or through hiking up like really big hills that push my energy really into the present moment, right? Where the heart rate gets moving and maybe some sweat pours that helps me integrate, right? So I can't, I cannot tell you how much it helps me if I'm feeling disturbed by something, maybe, maybe a memory. Um, like sometimes I'll have painful memories from high school come up, things that really bothered me, um, and still continue to, if I go deep into the experience in my mind, um, I'm not going to write those people from high school and yell at them because just why? That's, there's no use in that. Instead, if it comes up and I can't get through it, I'll go hike up a mountain and I'll sit with it and I'll really take my inner child for a walk. And I'll be like, come on, babe, we're going. We're going to take space from this. And I'll come back feeling so much better. In fact, there's no backwards with it. I only move forward. I move further from that trigger. I move more towards, all right, this is bothering me. It's taking my peace. I want to reclaim my peace because when I'm in peace, when I'm in harmony with myself, this is how I become um, a kind human. This is how I become a human who can actually serve others from an authentic place rather than from a place of lack because if I don't get the attention, I feel abandoned, right? See, we come from our wounds so much of the time and the reason I wanted to do a podcast about anger is because so many of us come from that anger wound, not even realizing it. All you have to do is look in the mirror and see the creases in your, between your brow to see if you've been furrowing it a lot, right? What is that? It's anger. <laughs> so going back through the steps, if there's something we can do about the anger, we make a plan. We identify, make a plan, and follow through with what to do. 
if there's something that we cannot actively do to change what is triggering the anger, such as a painful memory, usually that would be what it is, right? A painful experience in the past that has imprinted us, then we've got to integrate. We work on processing through counsel, through journaling, breath work, and that big one through movement, through getting the energy moving in your body. And this goes back to how anger manifests in the body as a sensation, right? I think anger is a really potent energy, like a lightning bolt. When it comes, it comes on fast and strong, and it can light every cell in your body on fire energetically. So you can use that for catharsis. I cannot tell you how many times I've had one of the best yoga practices when I feel really fiery and angry and I need to clear something. And I know that if I don't clear it, I'll create destruction. Maybe I'll pick a fight or I'll be really self, you know, self-wallowing kind of energy. And I don't want that. That creates pain. Maybe I project it onto a total stranger. That creates pain, right? I don't need to do that. Instead, I get onto my yoga mat and I do core work and I let my core burn and I go there. And it's not about being like, oh, my core is burning. I'm disconnecting. La, it's all love and light. No, uh-uh, my core is burning. I'm so angry. I could explode. I'm losing it. I'm so mad at this person. Fill in the blank. Why, 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 why? And if you burn it off, all of a sudden it drops. And this is the difference between yoga, especially, or spiritual practices being used as spiritual bypass and being used as catharsis. Spiritual bypass is saying, la, 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 blinders, everything's beautiful, lean into the the light of archangel unicorn face, you know what I mean? No, that's not going to work because all of your patterns get to lay there. They hide under the blanket covers of your own heart, but they are there and they will rear their head in that very moment where you least expect it. And this is why we have to get into the habit of facing it right? Whenever something arises, even if we don't expect it to arise in that moment, if it comes up, don't hide from it. Join it with meditation. Join it with your, with your awareness. Bring your whole presence, your whole energy to it and, and let it consume you for a moment. Really, it's not going to hurt you or anyone else for you to feel it fully. In fact, if you don't allow yourself to feel it fully, it's going to hurt many people. You first, and then echoing out in the chain of command to those closest to you, who will then project that transmission of energy onto someone close to them, and it echoes out and into that six degrees of separation until that anger energy is permeating almost every single human being's life constantly. Think about it. I wonder how many of us listening are like, "Mm mm-hmm, yep, I work with anger all the time. But do we really work with it or do we feel it and then try to hide it as quickly as possible because we've been told to be ashamed of it? Have you ever heard someone say, well, don't be angry? It's like, who are you to tell me not to be angry? I actually had this happen um, a month ago. I was on a trip somewhere and another person, someone I hardly knew, did something that really upset me. And it took me off guard and I was not able to join it in meditation. And I actually expressed myself quite bluntly. I stated the truth, which in a way now reflecting back, I would have done it a little differently. Could I have caught it? But I couldn't. I couldn't catch it. It came out. It was like it was like a lightning that struck one tree and went to another one. <laughs> it was like, boom, boom. <laughs> and um, the person was trying to comfort me and they kept saying, well, don't be angry. And I had to, be, I was like, the old me would have been like, yeah, that's true. I shouldn't be angry. But you know what? I told that person, you can't tell me not to feel the way I feel because this is how I feel. And the fact that it's arising means that it's valid. We've got to acknowledge that, that even our anger is valid. Even if we're projecting it, where are we projecting it from? It's a learned behavior. We've taken it on and we've carried it like that big backpacking backpack loaded down with supplies. 
We've carried anger on our back with all the memories associated with it, with all the heartbreak and all the times we felt abandoned or injustice. It's on our shoulders, some more than others, right? So it's up to us to be like, you know, I really want to put the backpack down and I'm going to choose that. And sometimes putting that backpack of anger down means to lay it down, to speak the truth. And sometimes it means to pause and hold our truth and let it simmer, let it boil, feel the heat of it, feel it entirely. Watch it from your meditation and you will see just as quickly as it arises, there will be a moment where it drops even faster. And what you will be left with is pure presence. And in that presence, there is a potency, unlike many others. There is a potency that we get when we are willing to drop our anger that is like the light of the moon. It's permeating. It illuminates everything. But the harshness has burned off. And what we're left with is this self-illuminated mind. And in that, we have a total opportunity to go deep, to go deep within our own psyche, to go deep within our own realization of oneself, of what life is about, and to go deep into insight, right? Like so many times after I've done something very cathartic to clear anger, I will just automatically receive the insight in the healing, right? Like all of a sudden I just drops and I'm like, ah, I, I can accept. And again, acceptance is not resignation. It's not saying I accept it. Let me stuff it back. Acceptance is integration saying, all right, I'm going to integrate this teaching now. I'm going to use this teaching in a way that can help me. So this is like igniting that deeper spark, that intuitive spark. And this leads me to the next mind training slogan, which comes over time working with this type of technique. The mind training slogan says, don't be swayed by external circumstances. Don't be swayed by external circumstances. What does this mean? It means you don't have to get pissed off. You don't have to let anger or fear or resentment or any of that family be your status quo reaction to things that trigger you, period. You can sit with it. But a lot of things we go through on the day-to-day can be easily overcome with just power of the pause, see that it's not personal and move on. And and anger is hard to navigate. That's why we have a, you know, we could probably do 10 podcasts on how to navigate anger because each scenario is going to require something slightly different. Each scenario is going to ask for a slightly different response level from us. So that's why it's best just to ground yourself, ground yourself in something that can't be swayed, such as Just awareness of that deeper aspect of your consciousness, that watchful awareness. Because if when you are triggered, you can pause and just drop into that awareness, from that place, you can get a little space in your mind to decipher what to do in a grounded way rather than in a way that creates a lot of pain and a lot of explaining and apologizing to do right? Have you ever heard the saying that if you have to apologize, you shouldn't have done it in the first place? Because really apologies only mean, sorry, I'm going to do it again, but I'm apologizing because I know that it was hurtful, right? Sorry doesn't always take accountability. Taking accountability more looks like I was really triggered. This is something that I'm working on and I do commit to becoming more present from here on. But then we have to abide by it. And this is that don't be swayed by external circumstances. It's not saying you're not going to feel your emotions. That's going to happen because you're human and you've been given that faculty to feel emotions. 
right? Unless you've been lobotomized, you have emotions and they're going to arise even when you are fully awakened, right? When you're fully self-realized, even the saints have emotions, but it's what we do with them. Can you root yourself in that deeper, very grounded witnessing faculty, which underlies the rest of it? right? There's a deeper presence in you that underlies and oversees the whole human experience you're having inside and outside. And it's the only aspect of you that has that pleasure of fully seeing the inside and outside from a bird's eye view. So if you continue or continually try to make contact with that aspect of yourself, then there's going to always be this little part of you that can access that in times where you feel worked over by the universe, right? And in that way, you ground there. And even though you feel your emotions, you watch them. You don't have to respond outwardly to every blip on the radar emotionally because sometimes clearing anger is an inside job, right? And Here's the thing, if you work with this technique, you become capable of transmuting anger or any strong emotion into motivation. And this brings me to my last point. It's another mind training slogan. Always meditate on that which provokes resentment. Always meditate on that which provokes resentment. So when we say the word meditate, it means, it kind of means contemplate, sit with, become aware of, hold it at the forefront of your mind in that moment and see it for what it is and for what it's bringing to the table. And, and especially become aware of that, which provokes any kind of pain within you, anything that makes you grumble, pay attention say, how can I use this challenge as fuel to motivate me on my path? When we say always meditate on that which provokes resentment, it's saying, can you become aware of that which brings resentment? Can you sit with it and see what it's showing you? But the whole point is these strong emotions you feel, these strong energies that can often derail us and, and create a feeling of total defeat, can actually be flipped around and be used as a tool, a tool to become present, a tool to reevaluate, a tool to integrate and process past and present. Something that we can use to channel and clear old energy, old pain, and then Lastly, something we can use to motivate us to climb the highest mountain of our own destiny, our own goals, our own desires. So we feel that life is purposeful so that our lives, each of us, every single person listening here, every person not listening can, can fulfill their birthright of why they came to this earth. And the thing is, if we let these emotions get in our way, if we let these patterns hold us back or make us frozen to act, we negate our birthright. And that leads to a life unfulfilled. And even though we might not be able to fulfill every single desire we've had in our life, just to have the chance, just to have the tools to begin to approach what we truly want, what our hearts desire. That is a gift. And once you allow yourself to receive that gift, no one can take it from you. And in fact, you'll be able to share that gift with others so they too can walk their path with their whole heart, their whole mind, their whole body, and bring everyone they love along with them. Whatever you meet unexpectedly, join with meditation.
Thank you so much for listening to Walking Dharma Podcast. Be well, my friends. What's that sound?